Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror. Sometimes it's best to grab a machete to face the enemies of the mythos. At other times, nothing but a spell will do. But there are even times when pulling open an old tome and reading about what one might do is the best approach. And this is another one of our investigator-specific episodes where we focus on an investigator who is obsessed with books. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? Uh, Great. Great. Much better than last week. Of course you are. Yeah. Uh, How about yourself? Everything going well? Yes, going very well. Quick question... Did you know that Zoe was really into her reading? Zoe? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose you know, I say that as a joke because Zoe strikes me as not the reading type, but she's probably really into the Bible. Yeah, very much so, yeah. She can probably quote passages on, on demand. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she yells bits out as she's smiting the wicked. <laughs> so, yeah. No, listener, you probably worked out from my rather clunky intro, that this is one of our investigator-specific episodes, and it's all about Daisy Walker, the librarian. So we're casting our mind right back to the core set here. So an investigator, I guess everyone has seen? (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, I imagine so. If you don't have the core set and you haven't played, this is an odd place to start listening to us. Yeah. (laughs) Good observation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Daisy is one of those, I suspect, one of the first investigators people tried because she, without giving too much away about what we're going to talk about, she's so different from the recommended two investigators of Roland and Wendy. And I suspect for lots of people, they might have tried Roland or Wendy early on and gone, okay, that was interesting, but wow, look at this five intellect and leapt in with Daisy. So we're going to, we're going to talk about Daisy. Can I can I tell you something which is probably going to shock and amaze you, Frank? I'm ready. Uh, she was the first investigator I played with. I am shocked. Well, I'm not really shocked because you love Daisy. Yeah. I was going to say, so... and, and, and you know, keep yourself seated down for this next revelation. I really like Daisy as well. What? I okay. know. <laughs> I had to drag you here kicking and screaming to talk about <laughs> Daisy. That's quite the shock. Yeah. So how did you... Why was she the first investigator you tried? Why did you not go with Roland or Wendy? Partly because someone else picked them first. But also, I just like the idea of being the one who read the books. Yeah. I think it's it's a, it's the, 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 the Lovecraftian archetype that most attracted me. Yes, yeah. The, the, the researcher. Uh, and I think actually reading the descriptions because all of the descriptions of the classes i think were upon in one of the previews before the game came out i think reading the seeker class i was like yep that's the one for me knowledge diving diving too deep and i'm sure that maybe you don't think of this when you rate this card but cryptic research has a bearded gentleman at a reading desk with a sort of lantern and it's one of my favorite pieces of art in the game and it really sums up to me as well that kind of seekery thing of you're spending your time in the library rather than you're spending your time working on your 
biceps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sharpening your knife. Well, should we should we talk about uh, Daisy's cards then? Yeah, yeah. Let's cover it. We're assuming, listener, that you know what Daisy's card is like, and you've probably played with her. But we're still going to cover it just to to make our own observations and check in about it. So Daisy Walker, the librarian, she is a seeker, and she has the Miskatonic trait, mm-hmm. which is the University in Arkham. Yeah. So straight away, she's an one of the academics in the game. She has yeah. three willpower, five intellect, two combat, and two agility. Straight off the bat, those stats jumping out as I'm good at reading books. <laughs> yeah. So she's got five intellect. Five is the highest of any base stat we see in the game. And she's got it on intellect, which is the stat you need to find clues or to investigate locations 90% of the time, maybe even more, and drive the uh, the act deck forwards. Yeah. However, she does have a combat and agility of two, so she's not going to be doing much tangling with enemies without some serious support. Then we have uh, five health and nine sanity. Sorry, I'm editorialising quite a lot as I'm reading this out. No, it's good. I Should like just it. Get, get, I like it. Get through it all. Uh, yeah, five health uh, and nine sanity. Uh, her ability is you may take an additional action during your turn which can only be used on tome action abilities finally her elder sign effect plus zero if you succeed draw one card for each tome you control i know of books so powerful they can rewrite reality very nice a couple of really small points one is that that elder sign ability is not a may effect so if you have a couple of tomes in play and you draw an elder sign you can't choose to forego <laughs> drawing two cards so she once she has tomes in play she's committed to reading them and getting cards from them which is yeah. interesting but but also it's one of the elder sign effects which is good assuming you want more cards it's beneficial no matter when you draw the elder sign yeah because some of them say zoe deals extra damage on one when you're Fishing out a token for some random intellect test, drawing an L sign at that point, although it helps you pass, doesn't give you any other benefit. Daisy, at least, are always drawing those cards. Yeah, and it's it's also it's interesting that it's an effect that it's not one of these effects that scales with a certain condition. So it's not plus plus one for each tome you control or something like that. It's it's a static plus zero, which isn't great. It's not like you know Yorick's plus two and get a card, but potentially you could end up drawing many cards in a scenario if you have the tomes in play and if you're drawing the Elder Sign effect. The the other little thing I wanted to say about her stats was that we like to think of intellect and combat as the offensive stats and willpower and agility as the defensive stats. But another way of splitting that stat line is that the first two stats, willpower and intellect, are mental stats and the second two stats, combat and agility, are physical ones. And you can see that that mentally she is really up there and physically she's really not. And that's reflected in her health and sanity as well, that she's the lowest health we've seen of an investigator, but the highest sanity. So her ability is good as well. That obviously drives you to include tome or tomes in her deck. And we've got some really good tomes. I guess there's two ways of looking at it. One is that she has a four action turn. But it's limited in that she always has to use a tome as one of those actions. Yeah. 
the way I tend to look at it is that books are better. Books are free to use in Daisy. I mean, obviously that's not strictly true because you can only use one a turn and it's not like it ignores attacks of opportunity and stuff like that. Good point. Yeah, I, I tend to think of... Whenever I look at Daisy, I don't think about her ability. I do think about tomes when I'm including them in her deck that they don't use an action to use. I don't know yeah. whether there's much much of a distinction there, but it's just the way I think about it. Well, weirdly, it does. Daisy has this influence that warps my perception of the card pool. Because if I look at a tome, say, Encyclopedia, I've played with people who've run Encyclopedia before in Rex, because it's a useful, you know, give someone plus two for the entirety of a of a turn. But it always leaves me thinking, hmm, but that would be that would be actionless if it was Daisy. So she she takes a whole portion of the card pool and makes you think it, she just makes that that portion better because she gets the action for free. And it, like that's really interesting to me that she can sort of distort how we evaluate certain cards. Yeah, there's nothing worse than actually using an old book of law in, in one of the other seekers. And thinking, oh man, I've had to pay an action for this. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's it's manifestly better than just playing an action to draw a card, which I do all the time. Thinking about open yeah. law as an action, you know, it, it's just Daisy does this for free. It's so it's skewing your perception of that card, which is was mm. really interesting. That you know, and old book of law, you could also give out that card draw to someone else. So seekers are quite good at supporting other investigators and. It's a really nice, you know, you, could, you you can't just say to someone, here, I'll spend an action to make you draw a card, but with Old Book of Law you can, which is great, and it's a filtered draw, but we somehow think, oh, but I wouldn't run Old Book of Law in, da- in Min, because Daisy runs it so much better, which is it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's look at the back of her card. Because she's a corset investigator, it's not too shocking. She's got a deck size of 30, which is the standard size. Her deck building options are seeker cards up to level 5, and neutral cards up to level 5. And then Daisy's off-class slot is level 0 to 2 mystic cards, which is interesting. And her requirements are the Daisy's tote bag, the Necronomicon, the John D translation, and one random basic weakness. So there's nothing too flashy there, and we'll look at those two signature cards in a moment. But it's worth noting that she's uh, the sort of the standard 5-2 design, and that her off-class is mystic. And one of the reasons I pause on that is because she's only got a willpower of three. She's not... She doesn't scream out as a, a mystic to me. Yeah, it, her unboosted willpower, it, it feels like it's not worth including spells in her when she's got a few seeker tricks to deal with, you know, things that you would do with spells. So rather than having yeah. a blind, blinding light, you know, you might as well have a mind of a matter. Precisely, and rather than a storm of spirits, why not an I've got a plan or something like that? Exactly, yeah. You've got the clues. But maybe that's not telling the whole picture, and we can come back to that. Yeah. You mentioned briefly her signature asset, which is Daisy's tote bag, and this mm-hmm. is an is an uh, item traded. It has it's two cost asset. It has a willpower, an intellect, and a wild icon. Uh, you have two additional hand slots, which can only be used to hold tome assets. So this tends to be, when people think of underwhelming signature assets, this is generally one of the ones that comes up. Yeah, I, I'd say so. It's it's good in a particular scenario, and I think 
and we will very soon be talking about one particular scenario it's useful in. But I, I tend to, with most of my daisy builds recently, uh, I don't have that many hand slot items, usually just a couple of tomes. Uh, that said, if you're also running magnifying glasses and maybe the glyphs as well earlier on in the campaign, tote bag can be clutch at the right moment. Mm. That's not a clutch clutch bag pun. <laughs> That's very good. The, the other option is if you upgrade into encyclopedias or you add tomes to, to the daisy deck that you're running. So you might reach a point where you're running two old book of law say one medical texts because you're being supportive in that way and one encyclopedia and maybe those magnifying glasses or something else and you might reach that point where just having the security of having two extra hand slots which can be used to hold tomes even if you're not running four things in your hands immediately might be useful but i've got to confess i i agree that i don't think it's particularly flash card and i often have used it for its icons probably more often than i've ever played it and now that I say that, I'm trying to think of a time that I have actually played it. And I can't think of one. <laughs> but that that's maybe my playstyle. It is also nice if you get put in a straitjacket. Yes, it is very nice for that that option. Because they 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 conveniently lock you up in the straitjacket with your, your book bag. It's just sort of clutched to your body. Yeah. It, I mean, and it does have perfectly fine icons. So it's it's a a double willpower or a double intellect icon, which is which is nice for Daisy. Yeah, yeah. There's there, there's some nice icons that they complement her mental prowess. So, yes, that's good. And her signature weakness is the Necronomicon John D translation. It's a null costed asset. It's item and tome traded, which is just what she loves, right? But it says Revelation put the Necronomicon into play in your threat area with three horror on it. It cannot leave play while it has one or more horror on it. Treat each elder sign you reveal as a, on a chaos token as a tentacle. And then it has an action, move one horror from the Necronomicon to Daisy Walker. Then, if the Necronomicon has no horror on it, discard it. And it takes up a hand slot. So it, it, there's actually there's a fair bit to talk about on the Necronomicon. Mm. First up, so basically it's a book where you have to take three horror in order to get rid of it. Yep. The action ability to move horror from it to Daisy, you can use for Daisy's free tome action. Yep. You know, that makes it a bit less onerous. It's not three actions and three horror. It's broadly just three horror you have to take. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, someone else can trigger this ability, right? If they're at your location. Yeah, because it's in your threat area. It's not... Yeah an asset that you control as such. I think I think you do still control it, but it's yeah, it's in the threat area. So yeah, I believe so. And that's why the wording is so important there that it's move one horror from the Necronomicon to Daisy Walker. Yeah. It's not move one horror from the Necronomicon to you, because that would pull the horror off the Necronomicon to other people. Now it, it also uses a hand slot, which is probably the the more annoying bit of it. So if you already have both hand slots full, something's going in the trash. Which is the exact situation that it's good to have the tote bag out for. Yeah, this pops up, knocks something out of your hand, can be very frustrating. But then, of course, you're in the irritating situation of you ha- you're you playing the tote bag in case the Necronomicon shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then if it doesn't, then you're just, you've spent two resources in an action playing something that might not be useful at all. 
So there are a couple of strategies for getting around that. One might be that you only play a single tome in your hands and you keep a hand slot free. So if the Necronomicon turns up, you don't lose anything. Another option is playing something like the upgraded magnifying glass that you can return to your hand as a free action if there are no clues on your location. So you could be running a tome in a magnifying glass and keep returning the magnifying to your glass to your hand if you need it, which is good. And then the thing that I see happen most often as Daisy is that if you're using your tome action on the old book of lore, you're looking at the top of your deck, you're filtering it. So if the Necronomicon's coming up, you can get it shuffled back into your deck and essentially protect yourself from drawing it accidentally or reducing the chance of drawing it if it's the in the top three cards that you see, it's then shuffled back into the deck. I think it's an interesting weakness because you often... There's no penalty for having it... Additional penalty for having it in, in your threat area at the end of the scenario. It's not like hospital debts or, or cover-up where it yeah. gives, gives you a trauma. So if you can accept the the penalty, then... You know, you you can live with it for a few turns, I would say, but you know, often you'll you'll it'll come into play. You'll think, is it worth those three actions, those three turns of not using my old book of law? Probably not. So I'll just leave it, and then the next thing you do is you draw an elder sign on a crucial test. Yeah, and at that point, you have an old book of law and the Necronomicon in play, so you have two tomes. So if you had passed that test, you would have drawn two cards, <laughs> but one of those tomes is turning that elder sign into a tentacle, meaning that you fail the test so it's it potentially is stopping you draw more cards as well and i just i love the irony of it i don't know if it don't know if it's quite irony but that it is a tome but that so you go oh great well at least i'll draw more cards with this but then it stops that happening yeah yeah it, i just it, it's also i love it <laughs> the, the idea of of daisy doing whatever she's doing suddenly gets distracted when she, she pulls out her copy of the Necronomicon, just sits in yeah. the corner and starts reading it. When we last played, the last time I played, we were playing um, Echoes of the Past, and I'd stepped, I had, a, I had a load of clues. I'd picked up a load of clues from a high shroud location, stepped into another nearly as high shroud location, and drew a false, uh, false lead, and then pulled the Elder Sign and just dropped all my clues on the floor. So it just was almost like, like you know, Daisy walks out of the room, like pockets bursting with old newspaper clippings. But then she picks up the Necronomicon and all this stuff just scatters out onto the floor. She's Wendy walks back into the hallway and she's sitting there in the hall, pouring over this. What are you doing, Daisy? Yeah. Con- concentrate. Paired with Min, they have a reading group, don't they? That are just <laughs> yeah. sitting there, sort of delving into these these different texts. Yeah, it's um. The, the other thing to note about her really high sanity, she's got a sanity of nine. If you are going to hope to clear the Necronomicon, you're committing a third of your sanity to that, which yeah. means even though she has this great sanity, you need to be thinking about either ways of, of healing that horror or other places that could take a bit of horror because the Necronomicon horror has to go on Daisy. It's easy easy to think of her as basically you know unkillable by horror that's not the case if if you think of it like that then you'll end up dead by horror yeah and she's also her off-class cards if you start dabbling in the mystic cards some of those cards will give you more horror i've seen forbidden knowledge used in daisy before as a sort of resource card but mm. 
it's quite quite a high price to pay for four resources is four horror and if you're taking another three from the necronomicon you're then down to two horror and that's kind of scary yeah yeah so we actually there's a card we've mentioned a few times frank and it's worth talking about because to my mind it's Mm. it's almost like a secondary signature asset for daisy which is the old book of law yeah whenever i build daisy deck i almost always put two of those in as one of the first cards do you think it's it's a ubiquitous pick for daisy i think so it's a tome she gets the action for free it's such a strong card in what it does it's fill to draw for her or for anyone else at her location so yeah i, th- I think so i i imagine there might be decks out there that don't run old book of law but i'd be really surprised if they don't and i, th- I feel like i've not yet seen a compelling reason not to put it in her deck in much the same way that not running machete in a dedicated fighting deck seems very odd to me as well i be hard but i think it'd be even harder to convince me not to run old book of law and daisy than it would be to convince me to not run a machete and a guardian so yeah i'm a big fan of research librarian as well i often put two of those in the deck as well just to maximize my chances of getting an early uh, old book of law yeah and and that as a pair is just fantastic that you've got you can have old book of law and research librarian in your deck and between the two of them, you can almost always get an old book of law down early. And then that that free action that Daisy gets, as soon as you've played the old book of law, you can use it. So you essentially get a card straight away for that, which is great. And she's one of the investigators that can go through a scenario without spending any actions to draw a card because she's just got this nice steady drip feed of old book of law cards, which is just fantastic. We've talked before in the card draw episode about how Seekers are the kings and queens of card draw. And I feel like Daisy, that that seems to come across that she's just wise. She can find the right cards for any situation she's going to be in just because you, you it's almost a given that she's going to have this flow of cards coming into her hand through Old Book of Law. So we, we, we touched briefly, Frank, on the, the secondary class of, of up to level two mystic cards. But we also mm. said she only has a willpower of three. Is there, do you think we can get get around that limitation when we're making decks for Daisy? Yes, I, I do think so. But the striking thing about that for me... I keep saying striking. Is that really the... You know, I don't know if that's the word I want. It the, hasn't struck me that you're saying it too often. Oh, okay. Oh, that was good. Good. <laughs> We hinted at this at the start, that Daisy is perhaps, she's been with us a long time, she's been with us since the start of the game, and I would argue that she's one of the investigators that's changed the most over the life cycle of this game, and you said that she was the first investigator you played as, she was the first investigator I played as where I built my own deck pure solo, (laughs) which was very hard in in the Corset only days. And I didn't realize, you know, I was new to the game. I didn't realize what I was quite getting myself into. But I was drawn to trying her out and I wanted to see if you could play this game where you really weren't much of a fighter. And obviously when I played a couple of scenarios, I started to realize that she did need some kind of combat support. But that was all the way back in the corset days. And we're now nearly at the end of the Path to Carcosa cycle. And as I look back on that and think about how investigators have changed... 
yeah, she to me is one of the ones who's changed the most. Because back in the corset days, if you wanted to run Shriveling or Blinding Light in Daisy, your main option for boosting your willpower was a couple of guts, a couple of unexpected courages, and maybe a couple of copies of Arcane Studies. I can't think of anything else that was... Uh, the, the Holy Rosary sure. as well. And the Holy Rosary, yeah, that's right. So you get the Holy Rosary down, you're at full willpower, and then you're perhaps hoping to get enough resources by, say, having Dr. Milan as you investigate to then pile all of those resources into Arcane Studies. But that was kind of it. And over the life of the game, we've seen a few things that have really changed things up for Daisy in terms of how she works as a mystic. I think the first one, uh, the first key card for me was Higher Education, which came out in Blood on the Altar. Yeah. A few packs into the Dunwich cycle, which allowed a really efficient way of boosting her, her willpower. So a single resource put her up to five willpower. Assuming she had five cards in her hand, uh, which with an old book of lore in play, you shouldn't have too much trouble with. Yeah. Yeah. So she's already got this draw. She's maybe already got resources from using Dr. Milan. And then suddenly she got this piece, which was a way of turning those resources into a really decent willpower boost very efficiently. And and the real benefit there as well is that it's, it's a permanent. So you can always rely on having that, that that boost active as long as you have resources. So with a, with a Holy Rosary, obviously you're, you're hoping to draw the Holy Rosary or the Arcane Studies or whatever it is you're using before you can really effectively use your spells. Having a higher education handy, always ready, you're not in that situation. So as soon as you draw a spell, yeah. effectively you're ready to go with it if your economy's set up. And the resources you save on playing your Rosary or your Arcane Studies, that's two resources which is a plus four boost. You know, straight away, that's already great for boosting boosting willpower for for a test. So that was definitely... Higher Education was a sort of watershed moment when spell-slinging Daisy came back in fashion and the possibilities for running a daisy deck with spells kind of came back to the fore. I definitely remember I before that point I was running daisy definitely as a sort of um, clue-getting support hybrid. I'd maybe run Ward of Protection to just do a bit of cancellation. I'd maybe run Delve Too Deep. Yeah. There's, there's definitely... There's another Mystic card. I can't remember what it's called in the core set. The corset, okay. Yeah, um, the name is on tip of my tongue. It's the one that lets you get a couple of clues uh, and you draw an encounter card as well. Oh, yeah, you can do it through a locked door and th- things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, I, no, I remember that card as well. To, to coin a phrase in Daisy, it's it's almost like a hat on a hat. <laughs> yeah, in that yes, she, she's yes. already really good at getting, getting clues. So mm. cards that make her, you know, get more clues... I mean that card in particular is useful because it can work no matter what the sh- no matter the shroud or you know investigation limitations like the own library or whatever but but still it's just it's just more clues yeah if you go down that I'm gonna get clues route before we had Rex Daisy was one to take and part of that is because she has five intellect so she's set up all, almost from the off to start getting clues so if you don't find those key pieces she can still just be getting clues natively. You can just be throwing in cards to maybe boost up to six if you really need to, which is really, I think the the, the step change from having four in a stack to five is really pretty impressive. I felt similar actually playing Mark Harrigan, where sometimes I've not had a weapon in Mark 
which is anyway rare because he draws so quickly, but if you've somehow not found a weapon, he's still pretty happy just whacking things with his fists because he's at combat five. And yeah, that's comparable to me in Daisy that maybe I'm playing my old book of law, getting a card from it, and then I'm happy to just start investigating because I'm not looking to get a huge boost beyond that. Yeah, incidentally, Norman, who is one of our replacement-only investigators at the moment from the Ire of the Void, he also has Intellect 5, and I had a very similar experience with him where he doesn't need much support to start being just like an intellect king. You're just happy to leave all the intellect tests to him and he'll just pootle around soaking up clues, which is really nice. Like you've just said, Frank, I think one of the interesting things about Daisy is is how much she's changed. I, I feel early on that when the Dumbledore Legacy came out, she was always just not as good at Rex because she couldn't cast spells as well, you know, well enough in order to defend herself. So the spells were largely pointless in it. And at that point, you've just got a largely yellow card pool with a few purple cards thrown in, which Rex can do as well. But then Rex can also find clues better and also take cards from other factions if he wants. Yeah, and we tangentially... Just to note, we talked about this with Rex before, that if you wanted to take a weapon in Rex and you thought you were going to take higher education, Shriveling is quite a good choice of weapon. <laughs> he has the same willpower as Daisy. Higher ed will give him the boost. And at that point, you just think, well, I'd never run Daisy if Rex can even run the combat spells that I would run. So it's when you start getting more options in Mystic, I think Daisy gets more and more attractive. Yeah. Basically, I think that she she's now in a position where she can she can still dedicate herself to a to a cluing role, or she can go down a more spellcasting route, use some of the other spellcasting support cards around when she gets higher education to really reliably boost her willpower, to to offer something more than just Rex taking five Mystic cards in his in in his deck. So you can take things yeah. like Storm of Spirits has come out, which is a great spell. You know, um, she can't take the upgraded shrivelings, but there's stuff like Song of the Dead in there. There's Ward of the Protection level two we've now got as well. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you already started to do it, but I was going to say we saw that big change with higher education in the Dunwich Legacy cycle, but there's been another step change, I would say, in Path to Carcosa because we've seen more cards that that are stronger in Daisy than in other places. So one that sprung out to me was Book of Shadows, level one. Yeah, well, it took me a long while to forgive Matt for not giving us uh, Book of Shadows, level three. That was one of the criticisms of Book of Shadows, level three, was that it was a tome that Daisy couldn't take. It was just taunting her, just out of reach. But, I mean, we tend to find that Daisy has quite a strong economy because she can use cards. Well, I mean, Milan Christopher is, is an amazing card and it just, you know... Daisy's pockets doth run further with cash. So Book of Shadows lets her just keep those spells topped up. So whether it's an upgraded glyphs or a shriveling or whatever, she's just there funneling more money into it. And the important thing about Book of Shadows is that it has this spending a resource clause for it, whereas Book of Shadows level 3, you don't have to spend any resources to top up your spells. Book of Shadows level 1, you do need to spend a resource for each top up. But that's that's where Rich Daisy using Dr. Milan as an, a resource engine 
feels very comfortable not even spending an action, just using her tome action to keep her spells topped up. And of course, Uncaged the Soul came out as well, so she could have saved some resources if she's played Uncaged to play her shriveling. And those okay. resources can then go into making her shriveling even stronger. Yeah, or if she's doing... The good thing about um, Uncaged the Soul, it's got two willpower icons on as well. Which Gotta is... love those two willpower icons. Very helpful. And then more recently, we've had uh, David Renfield as well. Yeah. Good old Mr. Renfield, uh, who's not eating bugs. He is another way of generating cash for Daisy in an interesting way. I quite, I, I think what is not mentioned that often is that he's too damage soak and one horror soak which is nice for yeah. Daisy because it's it's an extra point of physical damage she can she can withstand but if we combine that with cards like calling in favors which lets mm-hmm. us give us a, a, a finer level of control over David and his, his doom generating abilities and also works with the mystic uh, sorry the the seeker comes into play effects so our laboratory assistants or our uh, art students, cards like that. There's a nice little, little combo there, little engine going. Yeah, and the resources from Renfield can be put into your Book of Shadows to power up Shriveling. If you take Horror from Shriveling, you can put it on Renfield and kill him if you don't want the Doom on him anymore. But also, Renfield is giving you Willpower Boost, or you can be using the resources from Renfield on Higher Education. So there's sort of four different cards that are that are... They're not all necessary for it to work, but they each fuel the others should you need them to. And you get a nice little option of if you get your Renfield or Milan bucks, you've got a choice of are you adding more charges or are you saving the resources for higher education? I I really like that kind of combination. I think it's it's a time when playing that Daisy deck, it actually pilots very differently from your kind of standard move into a location, investigate, move on, leave all the fighting to someone else. There's a a fair few moving parts that you need to get going and think quite carefully about how you make them work. But yeah. And 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 Daisy's very well positioned for any deck with lots of moving parts because she's got that old book of law, which is a, a, a huge accelerant for finding any combo pieces she needs i often find myself if i've got an idea for a, a seeker deck that has a some weird interaction like that daisy's a good place to do it because old book of law down early just that's massively increases your chances of finding the cards you need yes yeah that filtered draw and i think the other thing is if you've used the research librarian to get the old book of law you can then use a calling in favors on the research librarian it returns to your hand and gives you a nine-card dig through your deck for the next more important ally. So you get kind of double duty out of the Research Librarian. They give you a bit of a discount. They're only one cost up. They don't give you a discount. But they find you that next ally, get you moving through your deck more quickly, which is, yeah, pretty powerful. So what did you learn all the way back in the core set and, and when you play Daisy now about how how you play her and, and sort of what that experience is like? I think one of the things I found interesting is that my experience of playing the Dunwich Legacy with a Daisy deck was you stand around finding clues quite a lot. Uh, you, you just say to everyone else, okay, I'll handle this location, there's loads of clues on it and it's a relatively high shroud. But as Daisy's decks, or the card pool has matured more for her, and the same has happened for other investigators... That happens less often, and that sometimes 
Daisy can say, right, well, there's an enemy there. I'll deal with that with shriveling. And you stay there and get those last couple of clues with whatever trick it is you're using to get clues off that location. Does that reflect your experience? Well, yeah. And I was thinking that the, the other thing that we've not mentioned is, of course, Strange Solution. And I've played Daisy before where I've identified the solution and taken acidic icor. And then <laughs> even though I'm getting the clues, I also I, I intercepted a conglomeration of, conglomeration of spheres as my zoe playing buddy was about to fight a conglomeration of spheres and i killed it with a couple of splashes of acidic icor and at that point you're starting to feel sort of all powerful as the seeker you're getting all the clues you're also killing the big enemies you know everyone else is just there to make you look good yeah yeah. so so yeah i've definitely seen that development i think in terms of shoring up her combat potential, I've got a plan and the Acidic Icor have been fantastic in that regard. If you don't want to go the spell route, which is great, you could then use some of the spells for for other things. You can, say, use Scrying and Alyssa Graham and Ward of Protection to be more defensive and not worry about shriveling enemies, but you could still have some damage in your deck in those Seeker cards, which is nice. Or focus on things like like your blinding light, or your, to, to to evade an enemy as well as damaging it, or storm mm, spirits yeah. for a area of attack style. Yeah, more event based damage rather than feeling like if you can't get shriveling down, you're floundering. Yeah, I've I've mentioned acidic icor there. What are your first buys in terms of upgrades? Because one of the things that's really interesting to me is that there isn't a leveled up old book of law. And I almost well, can't yet, picture anyway. <laughs> what that would look like. Yeah, and so there are there are upgraded tomes, Book of Shadows or Encyclopedia, but it's not doesn't do the same function. It's interesting. It very much depends on what I'm doing with the Daisy deck. I find Charisma is quite a common buy because I've got lots of allies and higher education, obviously, because it boosts the two stats she wants to use very reliably. Yeah. I can see not running Charisma if you're just using Dr. Milan and you're not interested at all in any other allies. But yeah, um, higher education seems so solid for her. But apart from that, I, th- I think she's almost spoiled for choice. I think cryptic research is always good. The yeah. upgraded glyphs are good. Uh, I like uh, deduction level two and fearless level two, I think, because she's often, you know, she's a big sanity bank and Fearless 2 to clear some of that off. Yeah, that feels quite good if you're taking it for other people in the team. Yeah, and it's a nice boost for your shrivel or your blinding light or whatever you play. Certainly, certainly. So, yeah, I mean, any of those cards, they're all good cards. (laughs) Yeah, and then you have something like, this is just to push your cost curve up a bit more. Pathfinder is a fantastic card, so you can be zipping around, getting clues where she needs them, and maybe open a load of locations and decipher reality, which is kind of... Yeah. Bananas. Yeah, yeah, a real clutch card there, and and book of book of shadows level one is good as well. Yeah, we both yeah. like that. Yeah, I think you, you're you're kind of spot for choice, and I think we're at a point now where you can really pick the style of cards you like playing as as Daisy. Yes, I remember that for some people, uh, Disc of Examiner was a real immediate early buy, just because you really didn't want to get stuck with an enemy, and getting that down in play just became so important it was particularly if they weren't using spells so they weren't worried about holy rosary in their accessory slot 
they'd spend the two or four XP on one disc or two discs, and that would just be a way of dealing with enemies testlessly, which is very powerful. Oh, we haven't even mentioned the the key of St. Huthbert's either, have we? (laughs) No, we haven't. It's almost like an upgraded uh, Holy Rosary. Mm, Which I'll be using in Norman, yeah. Yeah. So you've done campaigns with Solo Daisy, right? Yes, yeah, I have. How have you found that? What's, does she, she always seemed like the type who would particularly struggle with that. Is, is that still the case, do you think? I think it's less of a case now, but there's definitely a risk with any seeker that if you get too many enemies, you're done for. So mind over matter becomes really useful as a panic button. You have to know when to play that. And finding some kind of combat option becomes really useful. So like my min solo play, identifying the solution and getting Acidic Icor in your deck is really useful. Now with Emergency Cash level 3, Acidic Icor is even more powerful. So that, you know, potentially that's 8, 14 experience on those two cards before you do anything else. But at least Daisy's got such good intellect that in a way you don't need to shore up that intellect with yeah. upgraded cards necessarily. And things like deduction level two aren't as useful in solo because there are rarely three clue locations. So you're not necessarily having to invest in them early on. Um, I I really enjoy playing Daisy solo. I think one of the strengths of Seekers is to do things so incredibly quickly that they avoid the challenges of a scenario down to speed. Yeah. And I think that that's probably even more the case now that... I mentioned earlier that I used to feel like it scenarios boiled down to me as a seeker investigating lots of times. And we all thought Rex was really overpowered because he could clear locations of clues incredibly quickly. But as more tools yeah. have come out, I find I spend fewer actions invest actions investigating. I get more clues per action. Yeah. So I'll be targeting uses of deduction and archaic glyphs, things like that to get me more clues in a single action. Yeah, precisely, precisely. I think, as we've now seen in Carcosa, a scenario like Curtain Call, it's critical that you can go quickly because that's before you've got your higher education. It's before you've got a reliable willpower boost. So if you're thinking of using shriveling, it's just not going to happen. And what that then means is that you're going to probably use I've Got a Plan and Mind Over Matter to get away from the royal emissary but if you can't do that you're really stuck so that's definitely a hurdle for any seeker deck is how you start out in a scenario that has quite a beefy enemy that you might have to fight multiple times and i think at the moment seeker's main response to that is go fast that if you can only face him down once or it down once that's better than any any other way of dealing with it because you're just going to run out of steam otherwise so yeah, I don't have huge amounts of super solo tips, but <laughs> oh, I suppose my only other solo tip would be that in pure solo, any deck that relies on lots of parts is less likely to have the time to get those parts into play. And that means I'd normally run a more stripped down daisy build because I just don't have time to sort of handle getting everything in play. So like the Renfield Book of Shadows shriveling thing is a lot harder to land in solo because you might find yourself with an enemy and you don't have anyone to take it off you. And at that point, you're kind of stuck. 
Um, there's one other card I wanted to mention, though, which I think is great in Daisy, which is anatomical diagrams. I think because she has high sanity, she's normally going to be at the right threshold for it. But I think generally that spare action she gets for tomes means she can move into a support role. She can commit Eureka to other people's tests. She can draw them cards with Old Book of Law. She can heal them with medical texts or with clarity of mind. There is this whole other part to Daisy, which is that she can be very rounded as an investigator, which I mm-hmm. really like. And I just wanted to mention it. Thank you. <laughs> how, how about you, though? What do you enjoy about Daisy? Well, I, I started this episode by saying she felt to me as the, the kind of quintessential, the side of the Lovecraft investigators that I liked. Someone reading the books and you know finding finding the clues to drive us forward and i think that that still holds true i find that really appealing about her and even more so now that that the magic side the mage side of her can come out a bit more especially once she starts to spend experience i mean i find that attractive about norman although i've only sort of built decks for him so far i haven't haven't had a chance to play him too much Mm. that he starts off as a seeker who who learns about the mystic arts Daisy, I, I find she, she she stays, she keeps that core of, you know, questing for knowledge. But the more she does, the more she starts to look into to casting spells as well. It, it's interesting you mentioned Norman. I was just thinking about Norman. And one of the things that really stayed with me from when I was upgrading my Norman deck recently was how many cards I wanted from the Seeker pool that I couldn't take. So deduction level two and cryptic research and higher education were all cards that the way that I had played Norman, they felt like they'd be a really good fit for him and I couldn't take them. And it it really made me, th- it's really challenging because it makes you think, you know, if I was playing as Daisy, I would take all of those cards and they would get me through my deck more quickly and make me do the things I'm doing more efficiently, which would give me more time to shrivel enemies. And in mm-hmm. Norman, you don't have that option. So they actually start to diverge fairly dramatically i'd say i'd actually quite like to play a norman and daisy campaign because it could be really interesting to see the way that they branch out from each other yeah and i think yeah the, the other thing we, we sort of talked about this uh, you, you you mentioned something about it earlier on she she can be a support character as well finding cards for the players finding cards for herself which is very thematic as well for a librarian. If you imagine your, your deck is a shelf of books, she's hunting through those those books for the, the exact one that she wants to help you in that situation. Yes, yeah, so I think precisely. That's neat as well. She She ups the level of consistency for her party in a way that Min also does. It, it's this, you have a seeker in your group and they're going to just bump everyone up which I, I really enjoy. Like If you have Rex in your party, Rex is probably going to go so quickly and get clues so efficiently that no one needs to think about clues. So you will spend your time supporting yourself with getting your weapons ready, making sure you have your good events in hand, all of that kind of thing. But if you have Daisy or Min around, they're going to help you. They're going to have some kind of sort of... It's almost a passive effect, isn't it, that's going to generally up the ability of everyone, which is, yeah. And, and, and I found Min is, Min is maybe even more down that path. Yeah, even more. Yeah. And so, so Daisy's maybe, uh, you know, in in the middle ground between someone who's able to find lots of clues and someone who supports their allies. Someone who's, you know, it's quite a, a hybrid of a character actually, even though she's strongly focused on collecting clues. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, put in a couple of Ward of Protection level 2s in Daisy, and she can start cancelling encounter cards for other people yeah. and take a couple of Forewarned for her. Exactly, to couple of Forewarned as well. Yeah, she can become this sort of fairly robust cancellation character that sort of doesn't really engage with the encounter deck too much. She's great. She's good. I think I think she definitely ranks either my my most my my favorite or in my top sort of three investigators at the moment. Am I right in thinking you've built more decks for Daisy than anyone else? I probably have. I mean, it's, it's I think it's I looked at my published decks on Arkham DB and I think there was three each of Daisy, Agnes, and Zoe, <laughs> and then maybe like one Rex or something like that. It's your dream team. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty good. Pretty much a dream team, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, in conclusion, play Daisy if you've got someone to take a little bit of the enemy slack off you, but also if you want to play as a character who is curious about the mythos and that curiosity will empower her as she gets more and more experience. That's a very nice summary, Frank. Thank you very much, Peter. If you'd like to get in touch with us and tell us what we've missed, that key daisy card that we've not mentioned, you can email us on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, we're drawn to the flame, and Twitter, we're also surprisingly drawn to the flame. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere, that's U N I T L E D. I'll be on uh, the Twitter and the Reddit and the Discords. Great. And I'm FB on Twitter, that's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. And this is another one of our investigator-specific episodes where we focus on a very loud bus. (laughs) 